Welcome into a quick hit edition of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to Avalanche podcast presented by Superbook Sports. JJ Jerez, Arif Dean here. Uh, we're not going to waste your time and break down an entire game against San Jose, albeit it was a tougher game for the Avalanche than we expected. But the real news here, Avalanche clinched the playoffs, Avalanche jump into first place in the Central, and Nathan McKinnon crosses that 100-point threshold. Arif, how are you? I am doing fine and dandy, and I think I speak for everybody when I say that was a very interesting game yesterday that could have went south real quick, but Nathan McKinnon, 100th point, kind of settles that a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I think it was a game we were all expecting, like, hey, maybe I could go to bed at, between the second and third intermission here. No, that's just for the dads out. like you. Oh, oh, that was just me. Yeah. I- yeah, I was, yeah, yeah. I was ready for it, but I stayed up. I stayed up through the overtime, and what an entertaining overtime it was! Right, fun to see Nathan McKinnon kind of take that that hundred point on uh, overtime goal. I mean, a beautiful goal, just a goal, goal scorer's goal. To me, this is why that goal exemplifies exactly why he shoots so many pucks on a given day. Right, he, yeah. he's the first one on the ice to shoot pucks. He likes to stay late and shoot more pucks or stick handle. And you you just saw the comfort he had once he sees this little window in the net open, just nice and easy tosses it right into the back of the net that's what he does that's why he shoots the puck so much and if you remember we were talking a lot about how his shooting percentage in the beginning of the year was what five percent six percent you know through december through january and we're like well eventually he's gonna pick things up right well after that goal yesterday he is at exactly 10.7 percent which is the same percentage he had a season ago so once again for the second year in a row those early season goal scoring I don't want to call them struggles, but that weirdness with McKinnon having a lot of an assist and not many goals for the second year in a row is not a thing anymore. Yeah, so there are a couple things we got to get to. First, we're going to look at it from an avalanche standpoint, and then we'll look more from the league standpoint. Um, can, I, can I throw one more thing out there about his shots? Of course. His career high in shots, he had 365 in that 82-game season. Last year in 65 games, he had 299. This year in 65 games, he's at 336. So he's only 29 shots away from his career high, and the Avalanche have, what, six games left? Can McKinnon average four-point-something shots per game for six games and pass his career high despite missing 11 games? I think so. (laughs) Well, and I think the other thing we're all keeping an eye on is does does McKinnon cross that 40-goal threshold now? That's that's the next one for him to hit, right? Four goals in six games. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, I would take it a step further. He needs five goals in six games to match his career high of 41 from that same season. So again, you, you, you're probably like we, we, we've seen McKinnon score 23 goals in the last 28 games, I believe it is, which is already an insane number as it is, but you got another game against San Jose. You got a game against Anaheim. And then you have obviously Winnipeg, Nashville, Edmonton, and LA, four teams fighting for something. So uh, a lot of reasons for McKinnon to get some goals here because in the games against those teams, the LA's and, or the Anaheim's and the San Jose's, it's easy to feast on them like he did yesterday. In the other games, those are big games that McKinnon shows up for. Yeah, and you know it's something he he wanted, right? I mean, we look back to that season where they didn't even have to play Nathan McKinnon in the final game of the year, but they did anyway to try to get him past that 100 point, and they failed ultimately. But you know this actually means something, not only to Nathan McKinnon, but it means something to Jared Bednar. It means something to the entire organization. So that's where I want to get into the Avs conversation first, right? Nathan McKinnon, the fastest Avalanche player to ever reach the 100-point mark, and the first to do it in 16 years. I mean... The names that he's up there with, no secret, awesome people, 
including himself. But um, the fact that he's already been kind of involved in this conversation more often than the guys in front of him and around him have been in their entire career, I think just shows what's still left in the tank for Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. I mean, this is what he does. This is the prime of his career. These are the years where he deserves to be getting paid as much as he's going to start getting paid next year. And, you know, we're going to talk about some stats here, but it makes me really happy that in the NHL, you have two guys at the top. And those are the two guys that are getting paid the most amount of money next season. So it's, it's, it's kind of all adding up to Nathan McKinnon kind of placing himself in the exact place where he deserves to be because you often see players get paid a lot of money and you sit there and you think, why is that guy among the top 10 or among the top 20? He's maybe a top 40 player. Why is that guy among the top five? He's maybe a top 15 player. But McKinnon's salary makes exact sense with the kind of production he's given you this year coming off of a Stanley Cup championship, which already earned him a big contract. It's it's the prime of his career, and and I still personally think the next three four years are going to be the best of are going to be the best yet from what we've seen from Nathan McKinnon since 2018. Six straight years in the Stanley Cup playoffs now for the Avalanche, starting in two weeks from now, or well maybe 12 days from now even, and a large part of that is because of how McKinnon took off six seasons ago. Yeah, and I mean it's it's he's the sixth currently still with games to play the sixth most points from an avalanche player ever and the guys on top of them are joe sackick in 95 joe sackick in 2000 and 01 peter forsberg 95 96 peter forsberg 0203 and then joe sackick 0607 so the guys in front of him three times has it been joe sackick and one of those was essentially the tail end of his career right so that's kind of what i'm saying is joe sackick adding his third hundred point season that late in his career while nathan mckinnon just now chipping in his first, but still has plenty of time to uh, chip yeah. in another two or three. Yeah. I mean, he already should have two or three if it wasn't for the COVID years. But mm-hmm. you know what? You, you you take the losses where you can. Joe Sackett probably should have had one in 95 with the Nordiques, but COVID stopped that too. So uh, Joe Sackett in, in 2007 when he hit it, coincidentally, the same goals, assists, and points that McKinnon has now. 36 goals, 64 assists. He did it in exactly 82 games. That was the year that the Avalanche missed the playoffs for the first time in their history. And in game number 81, they lost to Nashville in a, in a must win. And that eliminated them from playoff contention. Sackick had two assists to get to 97. And then just for shits and giggles, in game 82, they beat the Calgary Flames 6-3. Sackick put up three points and said, all right, if I'm going to miss the playoffs for the first time in well over a decade here with the, with the Avalanche slash Nordiques, I'm at least going to hit 100 points as a 37-year-old. And, and that's what he did. He hit it exactly on the nose. 36 goals, 64 assists, 100 points in 82 games as a 37-year-old. Nathan McKinnon's a decade younger than that right now. Oof. The sky's the limit for this Wild, guy. The right? sky's the limit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's look at from an NHL standpoint. You kind of lightly touched on it there by uh, pointing out the first and second best players in the league, but he is the second fastest in the NHL to reach that 100-point mark this year at 65 games behind only Connor McDavid. Leon Dreisaitl was a close uh, right behind Nathan McKinnon. Yeah, so the other cool thing about this season is seven guys have already reached 100 points, and there's no end in sight for how many more of these guys can hit it because Ryan Nugent Hopkins and his spectacular season, he's one assist away from matching Nathan McKinnon's 36-64, so he's at 99. Elias Pettersson in Vancouver, 97. Eric Carlson in San Jose, 96. Last year, Roman Yossi had 96 points, and if you told me, last season or in October 
that defensemen are going to continue to put up 96 points. Can you predict who's going to match the 96 that Roman Yossi has had this year? There would be a lot of names, I would say, before Eric Carlson this late in his career. So he's at 96. Mitch Marner, 95. Miko Ranton in 94. Jack Hughes, 91. Tage Thompson, 90. Those are the ones that are within reach. Because after that, you get to a point where Braden Point has four or five games left and needs 11 points. Sidney Crosby has four games left and needs 12. So those are a little more unlikely. Um, but we could have as many as... 14 guys hit 100 points. The last time we even had this much was the 0607 season, the year that Joe Sackick reached it at the very end. Uh, and in that season, it was Crosby, Thornton, LeCavalier, Heatley, St. Louis, Marion Hosa, Joe Sackick. It was the same seven players that we have now, and there's still no end in sight for how many more are going to do it. So it's pretty wild. But of those seven guys, well, actually – no matter how many more guys hit it, unless someone that has, you know, 40 points in 30 games somehow, I don't know, puts up 100 points in the next five games. Like there is nobody that is going to beat the mark that Nathan McKinnon had of 65 games, except for Connor McDavid. So no matter how many guys hit 100 points this year, Connor McDavid did it in 56 games because he's Connor McDavid. The next best guy was Nathan McKinnon, which is a clear reminder the last five, six seasons, if you go back and look at the stats every year, Nathan McKinnon misses about 10 games a year these last three years, the COVID shortened, and then 2022 when they won the Cup in this year. But every single year, he's up there in the top two or three in points percentage, or sorry, in points per game. And it's usually some kind of variation of Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Nathan McKinnon. So despite him not being second place in the Hart Trophy voting every year, despite him not being second place in the Art Ross Trophy race every single year, Nathan McKinnon is still proving that he is number two right there behind McDavid. And when you ask him about Connor McDavid, he says that he's on the level of his own, but Nathan McKinnon wants to be the best of the rest, and he's trying to prove that here again. Yeah, if, if McDavid's on a level of his own, Nathan McKinnon is just a, a half level below him, even if that. Um, but uh, let's get into Miko Rantanen real quick, because we know we're watching Miko Rantanen for that 50-goal threshold. But like you said, he's he's right around the corner for 100 points as well. Having Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen hit 100 points would be huge. But, you know, you, you've sat here and you've brought up Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, right? What a, what a ferocious pairing. We just talked about Joe Sackick and Peter Forsberg both getting over 100 points in 95-96. Having the duo together, I mean, obviously it is, is huge for the Avalanche, but it feels like, in my opinion, this is the most dangerous duo, despite having Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl doing a little bit more, a little bit faster. I can't go that far. <laughs> they are the second best duo behind McDavid and Drysaddle. And if you if you ask me to rank how these players go, McDavid's the best of the bunch. McKinnon's the second best. Drysaddle's the third but the third best, and McRantanen is just slightly behind Drysaddle for the fourth best. But it's hard to call them the best duo. But something that they do that McDavid and Drysaddle don't do, which we saw them beat them last year in the playoffs. Granted, Drysaddle was working on one leg which was unbelievable, his performance. But what makes McKinnon and Rantanen, what I would argue what would make them the most dangerous, is that they play together at even strength. McDavid and Dreisaitl do a lot of damage on a record-breaking power play this year. And, and power that's play, what, that was going to be my rebuttal. Yeah, power play goals, they, 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 they count the same. And I hate when people say, oh, well, he's scoring a lot on the power play. It's like, yeah, motherfucker, they still count. Like, there's still goals. But the reality is, you play on the power play for seven, eight, nine minutes a game. 
you play at even strength for the remainder of that. So, you know, and I don't want to say 51, I want to say 11 or 12 because players play about 21, 22, 23 minutes. So that's the thing that would make Ranton and McKinnon a little bit more dangerous. What I love about what they did with the lines against San Jose is something that I think I mentioned to you. And I think that the avalanche 100% need to do if Gabe Landeskog doesn't play and it's take that Ranton and McKinnon pair and put Evan Rodriguez on the other side and let JT Comfer play with both Lekkinen and Nichushkin because he needs two strong wingers. McKinnon and Ranton can make do with a Rodriguez who maybe is more of a middle six guy than a top six guy. So they are a dangerous duo and they can kind of carry their line on their own. I'm sticking with the most dangerous in the NHL. I mean, I'm trying to think of other duos as well, but I don't even feel like any really hold the flame. It's that's really the conversation. Connor McDavid and Dreisaitl or McKinnon and Ranton. And I mean, maybe you throw in Matthews and Marner. Um, maybe there's a little, I don't know who, who, who's, who's the ying to Pasternak's yang. Um, I can't really think of too many that are, are yeah. that threatening. And like you said, what, what they do on five on five and what they can do really at any moment, or even three on three overtime. I know, you know, the Oilers guys can do the same, but I just feel like the, the, the skill level and the potency of uh, just having that knack for scoring goals seems to be more present in, in the duo. I know, you know, I, I, uh, I hate to be the guy saying that dry carried by Connor McDavid. Cause I know He's he, a- he adds a lot. He adds a lot, but I think if, if McKinnon is to Connor McDavid, what dry is to Nathan Mc- or to, Miko Rantanen, I think Miko Rantanen edges out Leon Dreisaitl. I would Con- Connor that. McDavid might Connor McDavid yeah. might edge out Nathan McKinnon a little bit, but I think Miko Rantanen he he has the knack for scoring. See, this is, a- a- this is in any scenario. This is the problem with the Edmonton Oilers duo. It's the same thing that was happening with Crosby and Malkin. Nobody would nobody would give Evgeny Malkin his cookies until Sidney Crosby had concussion issues and Malkin carried that team. That that that's that's the thing. Like, until Connor McDavid has an injury and Leon Drysaddle still puts up 120 points without Connor McDavid, nobody's gonna feel like he deserves his cookies. And the reality is, I mean, Miko Rantanen himself is one of the more underrated players. We don't talk about him enough, and we've been saying that all year because he plays with Nathan McKinnon. But when Nathan McKinnon's out, you saw Miko Rantanen carry the team. Are you telling me a centerman and Leon Drysaddle can't do the same thing? I don't know. No cookies for me. No cookies no, for me. I, I I can't go there. Sorry. I I love I love that we're an Avalanche podcast, but Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are the best duo in the NHL by far. Uh, McKinnon and Rantanen, I would say, are second, and Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner are breathing really heavily down the necks of McKinnon and Rantanen, and they were the better duo last year. Marner and Matthews. I guess we'll just agree to disagree. I just see more offensive. Hey, I like this. We usually have the same thoughts and beliefs on a lot of things, but no, because, hey, this is, this is a, look, the Oilers, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they do a lot of their damage on the power play and they're still outscoring the Avalanches duo. They still, in a points per game pace, not even just at uh, the the fact that McKinnon has missed 11 games because he should be at like 120 points right now, not a hundred, but at a points per game pace, they still outmatch the Avalanche's duo. That's basically saying that in the six or seven minutes of power play time that they have, and who's their point man? Tyson Berry and then Evan uh, Bouchard? Would you take that over Kale McCart? Absolutely not. So what you're seeing from them, would you take Zach Hyman over Val Nachushkin? I wouldn't. So what you're seeing from McDavid and Dreisaitl are two guys that even with most of their damage done in a five or six minute segment of the game, 
the power play and they don't play the whole five or six minutes, but in that segment, they are way stronger than what McKinnon written and do at even strength plus power play. So I, I can't go that far. Dry is an incredible talent. People need to give him more cookies. People need to realize that he is as strong a player as McDavid. He's up there because if you told me to ask you, if you, if you, asked me who the top five is answer that question um mcdavid's number one and then two through five are a variation of nathan mckinnon austin matthews kale mccarr and leon drysaddle that would round out my top five in what order nathan mckinnon would be above leon drysaddle i'll tell you that much but miko rantanen's not there leon drysaddle is <sighs> well, they- there is a few other guys that i would put in the top five ahead of miko rantanen and below leon drysaddle so it's not like Miko is breathing down the neck of Leon. I'm sorry, I can't go that far. I I, I just he has the ability to score a goal that I think other p- people lack. I mean, we've seen it all year long when he's on a breakaway or even some shootout attempts. He just it, he knows how to bury the puck and makes it look effortless. So I think that's just a skill that not saying Leon Draisaitl doesn't have, just doesn't have quite the level of Miko Rantanen. But we we could we could go back and forth all day. So you know, you know, this is Leon Draisaitl's third fifty goal season, right? No, sure, sure, but I think. <laughs> Come on, dude. You I, I mean, you just pointed out the supporting cast around him. Yeah, when when Kale McCarr's burying some goals and does they don't have to rely on just Miko Rantanen and Nathan McKinnon. Some of that weight gets taken off. Um, and just, and. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins having 36 goals is supposed to take away from the do you think, production. Do you think do you think Miko Rantanen is incapable of making the next two seasons at 50 goals? No, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying, but by the time he gets there, Leon Dreisaitl could very well be at five because could, he could have the next two as well. He could what have very I'm well saying, fallen off too. What I'm saying, yeah, true. But you don't know that. And I wouldn't 100% not bet against that. What I'm saying is this. It's that. Right now, the Avalanche have been relying on Miko Rantanen. Not that this is the reason why he's at 50, but they lost Kadri in his 28 goals. They lost Berkey in his 22 goals. Val Nachushkin was injured for early parts of the season. Nathan McKinnon missed 11 games, and Miko Rantanen carried the weight of those guys missing. In Edmonton, Leon Dreisaitl is up to over 50 goals, despite the fact that Connor McDavid decided, I'm going to score 60-plus this year, because that's a decision for that guy. That's not a skill that just comes out of nowhere. That's him saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. Despite him hitting 60-plus, Leon Dreisaitl has hit 50-plus, and that's with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and with Zach Hyman playing way, way, way over their head. With 36 goals, 99 points for Nugent Hopkins, 80-something points for Zach Hyman. They are scoring career-high numbers that they're never going to reach again. Basically, what I'm saying is if Val Nachushkin had 38 goals right now and Arturi Lekkinen had 37 goals right now, I don't think Miko would be at 49. Because in order for Val to be at 30, 38 and 37 for Lekkinen, Miko would have been dishing them a lot of the shots that he would have scored. But in Edmonton, Dreisaitl is scoring 50, and those guys are adding additional offense. You got to see how many goals Edmonton is scoring per game this season is incredible. The Avalanche wouldn't do that. The Avalanche can't hit those kinds of record-breaking numbers. They're breaking records on the power play. They are the NHL's best power play in history. That's not something the Avalanche could say they do, even with a healthy Landeskog and a healthy... That's the other thing, by the way. Landeskog and his 30 goals out of the lineup. Miko Rantanen is carrying the weight. But even with a healthy Landeskog, Makar, McKinnon, Rantanen, and if they still had Kadri playing his position, 
they still don't hit the numbers that Edmonton's hitting this year. So all I'm saying is this, is that Leon Dreisaitl is 100% a top five player in the NHL. Um, I don't think Miko Rantanen is at that level, but that I don't want this to turn from a podcast where we're talking about McKinnon the great to Rantanen sucks <laughs> because that's not the case. Miko Rantanen, uh, is he a top 10 player in the NHL? Yeah, probably. I've, I'm fasting and I didn't get much sleep, so I'm not going to sit here and think about a list of 10 players right now. But would I take him over Tage Thompson? Yes. Would I take him over Mitch Marner? That's a good question. Mitch Marner is a great two-way forward, and he's going to win a lot of Selkie trophies. That's a good challenge. But there's a lot of other guys in the NHL that are great players that national media would jump on and say that they are some of the best in the NHL that I would take Miko Rantanen above. Would you take Matthew Kachuk above Miko Rantanen? Yes. Bingo. Would you take Nikita Kucherov above Miko Rantanen? Yes. Okay. But I'd rather be sliding a one-timer over to Miko Rantanen than I would rather be sliding a one-timer over to Leon Dreisaitl. I'd have more confidence that it finds the back of the net. I don't agree with that. You got to watch some more Oilers power plays. (laughs) A one-timer, sure, but burying the goals in general, you got to watch some more Edmonton games, dude. He's unbelievable. But let's do this. Let's go back to Nathan McKinnon. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let's do it. So... Yeah, I mean, this podcast is about Nathan McKinnon, and and I just I need to reiterate that Nathan McKinnon is doing something with the Avalanche that we've never seen before, and that includes the Joe Sackicks and the Peter Forsbergs. And you know, I had a lot of people mention this to me yesterday. They said those guys did it in a different era, but I mean, that's 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 not an excuse to me because Rosakic also played in an era in the 80s where players were putting up 150, 160 points and he was still putting up 110, 120. He wasn't putting up 150, 160. Well, and doesn't and it feel to you and what doesn't it feel to you that the last year or two of the NHL is the the beginning of another new era? I mean, yeah. if you, the, the the offense has been at a, at a level we haven't seen in forever. This is absolutely and, a different era than it was. And it's 10 years and it's ago. yeah yeah. So so guys like Zach Hyman putting up 90 points. That because Zach Hyman's a great player, but he's a great 70 point guy, not a 90 point guy. Zach Hyman is being carried by his teammates and you know, Leon Drysaddle and Connor McDavid. He's being carried by them and he's being carried by this uprise of offense, this new era. But that new era you just mentioned, Nathan McKinnon is part of what's creating that era. So it's not like that era is helping him, he is why this era is existing, and that's mm-hmm. that's the big thing to get across. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And and not to mention, he spent a, a lot of his career in the quote unquote last era, right? So um, he had had a lot of learning to do through that time. And now that the, the game is more suitable to his skill set, I mean, he's really taken off. And and I think that's what it is, right? It's, it's not that he was a bad player before. We knew he had a lot of potential. It just took him a while to figure out the NHL game. And then all of a sudden it felt like the NHL game figured Nathan McKinnon out and kind of adapted to to suit his needs yeah i mean that's the the best players are always going to be the ones that change the way the game is played uh because like you said the game needs to adapt to how nathan mckinnon plays and you know it's the same thing with Sidney crosby in an era where goal scoring was at an all-time low in 2014 jamie ben won the art ross trophy with 87 points he won with 87 points, and there was like three guys in the NHL that here that, that even hit a point per game. Right now, we're up to like well over 50 in the NHL this year. Uh, but when Jamie Ben hit it with 87 points, that was because Sidney Crosby was in his middle in the middle of his concussion issues, 
if you remember the last year that we had before that, where the scoring was that low for the top guy in 2003, 2004, Marty St. Louis off the top of my head had 94 points. Second place was a tie between Ilya Kovalchuk and Joe Sakic with 87. So your top three scores in the NHL were 87, 87, 94. You want to know why Marty St. Louis won the Art Ross trophy with 94 points? Because Peter Forsberg had injuries. Peter Forsberg had 55 games in 37 games, 55 points in 37 games, less than a half a season in an era where the best player was 94. The only guy to hit 90 Forsberg was scoring at a 116 point clip. The game needed to adapt to Forsberg and they couldn't. His injuries were the only reason why. So they had to adapt to find a way to shut him down and couldn't. Peter Forsberg was going to usher in a new era, but then the lockout happened. He signed with Philadelphia. We saw how his career ended. So that's what you're seeing right now from guys like McKinnon, McDavid, the guys at the top. They are ushering in this new era. Leon Dreisaitl, David Pasternak. That's a name we still haven't mentioned yet. Mitch Marner, I mentioned Austin it. Matthews. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. So like, oh yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So these kinds of players, they are changing the way the game is played because if you can't stop them, you got to find a way to do it. How much credit do you give Jared Bednar for Nathan McKinnon going from a guy on, on an NHL team to the guy on an NHL team? I give him a lot of credit and and... I think most of it isn't teaching McKinnon how to play hockey or making sure McKinnon has the skill to play hockey. I think it's making sure McKinnon has the right mindset to carry a team. Because when Jared Bednar got here and the first year, the second year, that hell, even the third year that Jared Bednar and the Avalanche got to the playoffs, Nathan McKinnon wasn't the leader he is now. And, and right now, there's still work to be done. Like, we talk to him. We know how he acts after losses and sometimes even after wins. We know how Nathan McKinnon is. But he's got that flair in him where you know that this is going to be a guy. Promise you this. When he's 35 sitting in that locker room, we're going to sit there and be like, man, remember Nathan McKinnon of 2022? How tough it was to talk to him sometimes. Look how well-spoken he is now because he's got that fire lit in him. But Jared Bednar does a great job of controlling that fire to make sure it's not an obnoxious blaze all the time. Use your skill, play your game, and he just kind of reels him and calms him down. So I, I give him a lot of credit. Yeah, and as his career progresses, you know, like an onion, he's slowly pulling layers of pressure off of himself, right? One with the cup. We came into the season saying, what kind of season is Nathan McKinnon going to have now that the pressure of winning the cup is off of him? And look, he crosses 100 points in 65 games. What's next? What other what other pressures is he going to peel off of him and slowly make himself less anxious out there, more comfortable, more loose, and and just less tense? I mean, that's that's all Jared Bednar's work. I mean, I it's it's also I will say it's also part of the leadership core for the Avalanche. It's Gabe Landeskog is a big part of this, but Gabe Landeskog hasn't played all season, and Nathan McKinnon hasn't lost his mind. I mean. You know, he wasn't even around the team for most of the season. His locker isn't next to McKinnon's in the dressing room anymore like it always was, you know, from what I remember pre-COVID. I don't know what the hell happened in the three years in between. But you're seeing the growth of a guy with a coach that he trusts and believes in, with a captain that he trusts and believes in, and with an inner self that he trusts and believes in. Because Nathan McKinnon has spoken very outwardly about speaking to a sports psychologist and making sure that he believes and has the confidence in himself and we're seeing it reflect on the score sheet. Not just the sports psychologist, the diet, the off-season training, the everything that he's done is obviously proving to be more than effective and just writing rewriting the script of what it takes to be a pro, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. He's 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 ushering in the new era of that health and diet portion of it where it still boggles my mind how much we saw him drinking during the Stanley Cup parade because I'm like, man, you know he's going to bust his ass off to kind of work this out of his system. And he did because he came back stronger and better than ever. Yep. A couple cleanses, a couple sauna visits. I'm sure he, <laughs> he got it right out of himself. Um, yeah, so that, that'll do it for today's, um, I guess, was supposed to be a quick hit. Turned yeah, into quick. basically the same length of a podcast. Quick 15-minute show on uh, Nathan <laughs> McKinnon hitting 100 points. That's what we said yesterday, and here we are reaching 30. But like you said, it was healthy to have a little bit of a debate because you and I rarely ever debate. Yeah. Um, so Jerez first Dean. That's what we're going to call the podcast. MBSW lookout. We, we got you. <laughs> we're on you. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out with us. We'll be back. Uh, let's see what Miko Rantanen does in this next game. We might be back Friday. Um, otherwise, we're definitely <laughs> going to be back Sunday. Um, so, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us today and enjoy the rest of your week. 